0: this is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favorite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This week, I am super happy to be joined by someone I consider a key mentor and someone who has such a deep love of music and growing and building an industry of longevity and creativity. Terry, also known as one half of Atomic Hooligan, is the founder of On The Rise DJ Academy and a DJ and producer and label founder. Through this conversation, I get to turn the tables and ask him all the questions about his journey in music. The wonderful, exhausting, emotional ride that it is pursuing your passion and what it takes to make that work and make it real. So, without further ado, Terry Hooligan on the Hot Girls Podcast. Let's go.
3: Ladies, gentlemen, listen up.
0: You're
1: listening to Hot Girls with Lex on the deck. we in the mix. It's fire. We're going. We are fire. From London for the world.
0: Let's go in. I do think that, like, for example, if I say to my friends, like, I'm absolutely exhausted, they're like, oh, you just let something slip. Like, don't worry about it. You just need to let something slip. For me, that feels like saying the things that you really love and really care about, like, mm. it's okay to just let them drift?
3: No, it's not. For a moment? It's not. And, and one of the things that you've kind of, got to juggle in the early periods of really like self-actualizing your own career and your own path is figure out what is important to you and when you're in that when you're in that moment of flux I I mean I'm still in that moment of flux and there's still different things that I think are important Mm. on a weekly basis Um, but you you do have to like kind of follow every little path even if it's like kind of really finitely to try and find out what's the best path to go down because ultimately there's no one there to save you when you're out there by yourself you got you could have a great peer group you could have a really good friend group great family and stuff like that but no, ultimately no one's there to save you so you have to make a lot of decisions one based on like kind of your your moral and your like kind of enjoyment compass over there the secondary your like financial compass mm. um, because that's just what you have to do when you're yes there is something to be said when you're self-employed there's definitely something to be said for uh value your own time uh, never do anything for free um and like kind of don't say yes to everything that's Mm. that's a that's a big thing but ultimately in the early stages you kind of do want to say yes to everything because there might be things that you're saying yes to that may not fully being your wheelhouse, but ultimately could end up in your wheelhouse. Like I started a DJ school because I wanted an extra income. It wasn't something that I thought I'd be doing for the rest of my life. From being a professional DJ, label owner, Having like a successful PR company and all that kind of stuff, I thought that was going to be the rest of my life, and then the extra income would be like the little DJ school on the side, Mm. which I'll I'll uh, like kind of train a few people up to teach for me, and I'll like kind of be big boss man and walk in every now and again and say, "Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, being an inspiration, (laughs) being typical. Just scratch a little bit, (laughs) yeah. Scratch (laughs) a little bit, and go. Well, I see you next month." (laughs) But ultimately, that's what ended up being the, the the love of my life. Like I absolutely adore it because I went down that road because I worked hard to make it happen. If I'd let that slip in the early stages, I wouldn't have made the contacts and stuff like that. So you never know what's going to happen. So you're supposed to be knackered all the time. Yeah. You're absolutely supposed to. Don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't be. That you
0: shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't mind. I always think as well, I know I go to bed happy and I sleep better knowing that I have put absolutely everything that I could into something that I care about. 100%. The thing that the thing that I can't handle, I, I can handle being tired much better than I can handle feeling like I've not really like gone after things that I
3: want. 100% it's healthy to be tired. It really is like it's healthy to to put your stamp on the day. And that's quite old school thing to say. But if you really feel like you've put the stamp on your uh, the, your stamp on this day, then go to bed. And the, how you put a stamp on a day is by being fucking knackered.
0: Yeah, you, you do. You do. Yeah. I always like there's this. There's this comparison of like a lifetime and dead time that I kind of like as a phrase. And like a time is basically where you're. You're doing things that make you feel alive. and mm. Dead time is where you're kind of just like passing time. You're not really sure where that time went. Mm. Um, and I feel like dead time isn't tiring at all. Like you just kind of move through it. But mm. like alive time is tiring because you're putting yourself in every single moment that you're in and everything yeah. you're doing.
3: But- yeah, hundred percent. And you're not supposed to enjoy absolutely everything that you do in the day to to make your dream come true. Like you're you're really not. Like ninety percent of a lot of my days is accounting chasing leads doing all this doing all this boring shit that I never thought that I'd ever do when I was staying in a five-star zoo hotel in Kazakhstan I thought my life was going to be that for the rest of my life but yeah like like, 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 I'm uh, good with this this is cool this is perfect yeah (laughs) oh there's the Hummer to take me to the club amazing like I never thought that I would I would be an actual adult that had to do things to maintain a business but that's what you have to do. So that a lifetime, as you say, it, that involves some dead time as well. To be mm-hmm. honest, that involves some. I really don't want to do this, but I have to do it to maintain my dream, my my focus, my goal.
0: This is maybe a kind of big question, um, Terry. But what do you think is your biggest motivator? Where do you think you get your ambition, Poverty. energy from?
3: <laughs> Poverty, really. Like, I, I, I mean, I say that, I say that half joking and half not. To be honest. I've seen like kind of down times and I've seen how hard they are and I think my biggest motivator is how lucky I am to be able to keep myself out of poverty with with something that I love so much mm. um I think my other biggest motivator i've got two and it sounds really cheesy but like inspiring people number one i absolutely love it and i take it's not a completely kind of selfless act either i absolutely love it it's like a drug to me like to to be able to like kind of inspire people and for people to turn around and say terry was a big part of this or whatever and and creation like creating all the time like if that's my compass for creating has gone from actually making music to creating new things to inspire other people to do that. Um, so I'd say they're, they're my three motivators.
0: Do you think that's changed? You said, obviously, the DJ school was something that you wouldn't necessarily... You thought it could be a money earner and then it became mm. so much more than that. So do you think that part of being being a motivator to other people and seeing their creative work is something that's developed as you can create hundred percent.
3: A hundred percent. And that's, I think... I mean I started I started the label pretty early and I wanted to put other people on as it were because I've always thought that my journey included like kind of putting on because I'm never I've never been the best music producer in the world I've never wanted to be I've always been a very good DJ but I knew that my path lays somewhere other than sitting in the studio for 18 hours a day I'm just not interested Mm -hmm. in that at all so I always knew that putting other people on would be like where I sit in the industry but I always thought that would be through uh, <clears throat> record labels or publishing companies which I've done I've got they're all running when I actually stand there in the studio and I have a student like like yourself the other students come out and I see your path afterwards mm. that is what and that's happened many times before you came to us and it's happened many times after and that has is what's like kind of Giving me the uh me the the inspiration and the love for the to keep going, even in the harder times with the academy. Like that's what's yeah, that's definitely what's like kind of pushed me forward.
0: Yeah. With the labels, I want to hear about those because we because obviously we've met, we've had many conversations mm. over the years, but I've never sort of never really spoken about the labels that you've started mm. and run and your experiences with those. And I'd always think there's many, if you're working in music, whether it's DJing, producing, there's so many different things that you can kind of turn your attention to to be entrepreneurial in the space what's the process of founding a label
3: very different to now to what it was before like my first label I started called menu music in 2004 four 2003 2004 um always approached it with the only way to start a label was is with a good a ethic um and everything else is like kind of secondary everything else can just be sorted out by someone else basically and so, by
0: everything else you mean like the sort of the distribution the marketing yeah all those yeah. kind
3: of little parts of it yeah all, all of that can go in other places like accounting like distribution, uh, mastering, all of that kind of stuff can be sorted out. It's a secondary thought. And uh, and I've always approached everything like music first, music first. I was really inspired to start the, the label uh, through people that I met on tour, like a, a guy called Rico Tubbs, um, uh, who absolutely amazing DJ, amazing producer, still doing his thing now. Um, I, I run my second label with him called Lady Wax like those two when I heard them and what they had to offer I was like yep we're starting the label we're putting the label together and this is these are going to be our main artists and so on and that was in the vinyl days that was in the days where you were going uh you get a couple of tunes you send them off for vinyl mastering you get the artwork done and blah 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 you'd like kind of hand register them with uh, PRS and all that kind of stuff it was an MCPS back in those days which is basically like the 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 royalties that cover the reproduction on on like physical products and stuff like that so mm-hmm. all of that was, I'm saying all that I, I I have no interest in any of that I used to have someone do that for us but the the vinyl mastering and all that kind of stuff we used yeah. to get that done three months later the record would hit the stores you talk to the distributor it would go out you get the figures back so on and so forth so that was it was almost a simpler way of doing things because what you had was a captured audience in a record shop. They used to walk into that record shop once a week to get those records. I'd already become like a relatively big DJ at that point. So I was like, yeah. it's Tommy Couligan's, uh labels record. We're going to check that out. It's yeah. almost a simpler way, a lot more expensive, but almost a simpler way to do it. And then in 2008, I started another label that was uh, a little bit more like kind of bass music. Uh, my first label was very much a breakbeat label because I come from yeah. like a breakbeat background, really. The second one was more of like a bass music. We released like kind of hip hop and uh, a version of hip hop, drum and bass, like kind of Garrett, a lot of garage at the moment. We started out in 2008 as just a digital label when all labels were just starting to go digital. And that was, again, very music focused, very what do I want to DJ with? And went out on AR tracks and found tracks that I wanted to DJ with. <clears throat> I started that with a guy called Rico Tubbs, who we signed to um, he was called DJ Infecto first, and we uh we rechristened him Rico Tubbs. because mm. um, his actual name is Riku. He's from uh, he's he's Finnish. Um he's like he, he's like the number one guy in Finland, basically, which isn't insane much, really <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking i'm he's joking it's one. amazing scene over
0: there <laughs> <laughs> he's the biggest export from finland <laughs>
3: apart from the bomb funk mcs but he uh he was actually like he did all like their second album stuff like it doesn't really matter but like mm. that actually turned out to be a little bit harder i mean in those days we still had like kind of paper press and stuff and again atomic hooligan and Rico top starting the label so we got a bit of like kind of shine off the back of it and people were interested in what we were doing it we got in like dj mag and so on and so forth and, We managed to make it big, we talked to retailers, Got a good name with Beatport and and uh, <clears throat> and Juno and stuff like that. And they, because they were really the only portals that were available then. Mm. Now, I wouldn't even know where to start starting a label now, to be honest. Like, uh, I would, it's easy. It's, you you go to this, you go to a digital distribution, uh, you got a name, you got the artwork, you got five releases, bang, it's out there. And yeah. you can literally be on every single digital portal uh, in the entire world. But that doesn't mean that anybody's going to take any notice of you at all. So it still do, kind of does come back down to, Like the traditional roots of PR. I mean, I started a PR company in uh, On the Rise Promotions and a publishing Mm -hmm. company in like 2011, I think, because. And was that Um, the
0: first time that On The Rise was used? Well,
3: kind of. So On The Rise was actually established as a PPL collections agency, which PPL is the the rights that are inside music that's released for the performers rather than the writers. So say if, I don't know, whoever writes the song and then Beyonce performs it, Beyonce would get a a cut of what's called the PPL. Um, So it's the thing that not many kind of artists really... I mean, if you write it and perform it, then you get both ends. Um, So... It's a thing that a lot of artists don't really know about. Um, um, so that was started, and it, it was it was going all right, and it kind of just couldn't. They, I wasn't involved there at the time; I was still yeah. DJing and stuff. Um, and then uh, Jay uh, Jay Cunning, who who is now like the Euro, uh, or the global marketing manager for Denon DJ, uh, he left on the rise to go there. Okay. um but he's the like I say again he's still like my best mate and stuff like that like still um,
0: hooks you up with some equipment now I yeah, guess yeah yeah still get
3: yeah still get rain and then on equipment in the studio and stuff uh which is awesome um and we started as a PR company because I had like a little PR company that I just used to run from my my kitchen again not mm. this kitchen a different kitchen where I would send uh other uh, label stuff to because i would m- created relationships with like uh, ukf and dj mag and mix mag and all this kind of stuff through dj number one but through my own label number two um so i used to sort like small labels out with like exclusives on juno and uh reviews in dj mag and stuff like that so we just decided to take it and like kind of make it into a music services companies and I realized that I hated it. Like, I really didn't want to be in that part of the music industry anymore. During that time as well, I went back to college to, to train as a social worker. Um, really? Yeah. So, I like, I didn't, I, I really wasn't in the mindset of being in, like, the kind of the music industry very much at the time either. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it, what, what a lot of people, what a lot of DJs and a lot of people in the music industry will not verbalize is, there's a finite amount of time to your career really. It's not quite as bad as being a footballer. There's a lot of like kind of 45 50 55 60-year-old mm. DJs. But if you're if the music that you're doing or the music that you're making or the music that you're playing isn't like the kind of hot thing at that particular time, you kind of take a back step and you end up doing you end up doing gigs and doing things that are a pale comparison of what you did 10 years before and I kind of spotted that quite early. Yeah. Um, and I was like I I I don't, I've, I've had this amazing career over here for, for, for 10 years, playing all over the world, playing the biggest festivals in the world, playing to like 20, 30, 40,000 people in arenas and shit like that. Like it. And what now I'm going to go and be a support act for 50 people at a bar. Like mm. I don't like, and I'm not taking that away from anybody. Like that's not, I, I'm not belittling anybody for doing that or anything like that. But Particularly with music that didn't sound fresh to me anymore. I'd done all these amazing things and I didn't want to go down that same route again to a lesser extent. And to a lesser extent, and to a lesser extent, and to a lesser extent. So I decided to break out and make the PR company, make the music services company. And then in in that kind of time as well, that's when I started doing the uh, the DJ school. Because I taught DJing for a little while to like friends. And I'd worked for a company called, uh, funnily enough, just the DJ Academy, who are like an online academy. I was like their London tutor for a little while. I was really enjoying it while I was doing it. But I never thought it was going to be a career. But at the same time, I was building relationships with Pioneer, with Denon, with retailers and stuff like Because my, my career has always been about building relationships with people. And that then blossomed into On The Rise DJ Academy as it is today. The best DJ Academy in the world. Now I'm joking. It is. I think it is. <laughs> but like, uh, we, we've got a very unique, like kind of USP where um, I actually care about doing one-on-one lessons. I don't, I, I'm not looking to like kind of scale uh scale what i do up to to like kind of and sell it on youtube or anything like that because that's all that's got its place it's great but well, i really like the personal interaction and the one-on-one kind of stuff that i do with people and that's what it turned into
0: mm. one thing i think so when i met you and when i came to on the rise i'd mm. done i started dj with lessons when i was in australia then mm. i'd done some more um lessons at somewhere else in london and i i think what i felt like is i'd been taught the skills of DJing other places what I hadn't really learned or what I hadn't really understood until I kind of was able to talk to you and have some of the uh, conversations that we had or uh, with Keisha was just with Keisha like as well, yeah. yeah it was the industry and knowing yourself within it and it was more about the confidence piece or more about how to actually like approach myself as a DJ and, and have a career from it that As much as the kind of technical side of things and as much as having the space to have open conversations about the things I didn't feel so confident in technically, it was also about that broader piece of like how to forge a career and how to grow a brand for yourself and how to understand those things that will actually ultimately get you gigs and will ultimately allow you to have a career in the industry. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is, I think as a teacher, you see all of these different people come into your studio and obviously so many people then go on to have careers and others don't and part of that probably comes from passion but there must be other qualities where you're like that's a good that's a quality or that's something that enables someone to go on and and have more of a career of things what are some of the things that you think you observed that have made the difference in people's journeys
3: when I say passion I mean, a, a, a real passion for like, regardless of absolutely everything else, like not even having a career path. Some of the some of the most successful uh, students that I've had are people that haven't really envisioned a career path in front of them. They they just want to play music. There's a lot to be said trying to create your brand in the early days and stuff like that. But yes, I'm I'm here to help you with that. But I'm also here to help you like curate your passion. That's I think the the number one thing for me. Yes, there's. There's a lot, like I say, there's a lot to be said for for brand creation and curating your image and, and stuff like that. And I think that's super important, like getting that right. Uh, as early as possible uh but leaving yourself open to like to to change that and morph inside it and stuff like that like 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 you've been doing exactly like you've been doing like you're leaving yourself enough like kind of wiggle room to morph into into the best Lexi somewhere in the future like which is is awesome um but I think one of the things that I really gravitate to is people are just passionate about music and that will always be that will always be the most important thing I would never even consider that none of like any of my students haven't made it because Mm. everybody's got their own aspirations. I mean, the amount of people that kind of come to come to me and goes, I don't want to be a professional or anything. And I'm like, well, I don't teach anybody any different. Like, it's not like you're a professional, you're not a professional. I'm going to give you some kind of secret that I'm not going to give that person (laughs) or anything like that. Everybody gets taught the same. And it's all the fundamentals of 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 expressing yourself in it uh, and being as true to your passion as possible and Mm. i know that seems like really like ambiguous and it's but it's the truth it's 100 percent the truth yes we can work on brand stuff yes we can like for for the longer courses if you come to me like you did i said i'm really looking for a mentor i'm not necessarily looking for a dj teacher i'm looking for Mm. someone like a dj mentor and we went through loads of different stuff we we tightened up your dj style number Mm. one but we we worked on lots of stuff afterwards we had a lot of conversations and hopefully you came out of it a like kind of with what you needed but there, and there's that which is which is wicked but there's also just loads of DJs that I've had through my doors who are just really passionate I won't I, I, like I, I don't want to bait anybody up with their names but DJs that are big Mm. in their respective scenes at the moment and the first time that they came they're just like I love music I love vinyl I love going record digging mm. I love I love this and I love scratching or I love whatever and yes we can work on that and that is your truest route to to wherever you want to go is like maintaining that that burning passion that you first started with It's what I kind of think that I was uh, a somewhat perceivably successful DJ for quite a long time It's because I just I had a passion for music and that was the number one thing all I wanted to do was go out there and play tunes that I wanted to listen to myself Mm. and that's it
0: but I think what you're really good at is liberating people to put their creativity out there and to be passionate and to actually express it and I think sometimes that's hard I think sometimes when you really love something you can shy away from it because it can kind of scare you that sounds like sort of romanticizing a passion, but that's how that's how it's definitely felt for me at times. You know, one hundred percent.
3: And do you know do you know what do you know why? Not to cut in, but you know yeah. why it scares a lot of people because they've been in love with something, whether that's DJing, whether that's production, whether that's whatever, and they're scared of it because they want it to be perfect. They want their product Mm. to be perfect. And the first thing that I tell people is perfection is nothing. There is no perfection when it comes to any of it. Like perfection is a complete fallacy that will have you frozen in your boots and not able to go out there and show the world what you're capable of. Because there's always someone better. There's always something funkier. There's always someone whatever, like, but they're not bringing this. I sound like a fucking motivational speaker. No, but
1: it's good. (laughs) I love it. they're,
3: They're not bringing... What you're bringing to the table, and what you're bringing to the table is you, and is, and you're uniquely you, and that is why I'm so hard and as strong on on people developing their own passion having a passion to start with and then developing it because there's no one that can compete with you because they're not you like there's someone that could be better at programming there's someone that could be better at scratching there's someone that could be tighter at mixing there could be someone that's got more music than you any of these kind of things and it always there's always going to be i'm a scratch dj i know i'm not the best scratch dj in the world but i know that when i play a set what i bring to it is me Mm. and that's what everybody should have they should have their own x factor that they bring to the table and people either gravitate to it or they won't the people that gravitate to it are your fan base they're the ones yeah. that they're the ones that love what you do whether that's 10 people or that's 10 million people there's nothing there that will give you any kind of longevity as uh in a career that you have to force mm. like the, the the forcing part of it will dictate that at some point people are going. Eh. Feels a bit forced, doesn't it? Like I'm not, I'm not really into that person anymore because what they're doing doesn't feel genuine. If Mm. you just come with pure, like you just come with you from day one, but and that doesn't that in no way, shape, or form does that include any kind of perfection. Perfection is the when I hear people say, "Yeah, but I'm a bit of perfectionist," it's like, "Well, sorry, can't help you unless you unless you stop being a perfectionist." Then we can't really do much. And now I've always said that perfection. Perfection is the final destination. And if you're at the final destination, then you're not traveling. And the, 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 best, the best you can get out of a career is you'll just keep traveling, keep traveling.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
3: let's talk about Kanye. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about Kanye. Like I fucking love Kanye. Like I think he, even if he's turned if he burps into something and then uses a filter and then repeats it and then puts a beat under it. I'm like, Kanye's amazing. Like, <laughs> because Kanye can do that. Like, yeah. and, and, and his, his legacy has said, has dictated that he can do that. Someone else might hate that. Like hate, mm. hate that because they hate him or whatever. Like there's, yeah.
0: Or like I heard um, Shaka Khan the other day talking about Through the Fire. And obviously he used her voice to, to Through the Wire and she hated it. Yeah, yeah. She hated it. And because probably because she comes with this lens of what it was. Yep. Whereas a, most, a lot of the listeners to that song are coming with the lens of what it is.
3: You're always looking through your own lens at stuff, 100%. Mm. And whether it's your creation, like your creation is not yours once it leaves. Once it leaves, it's out there and anybody can view it in any way that they want. It's up to them. And you've got really no say over it. You've got no right of a say over it. Mm-hmm. Once you once you release that out into the public, then that's gone. That's theirs. You can have your feelings about it. Whatever happens, how you feel about what you create and what, what other people feel about what they create is there's no link between the two. It almost doesn't matter.
0: Different area of music industry and your mm. life and how it's changed. How have you found the adjustments in lifestyle that you have to go through as a DJ? So starting with touring, did touring come naturally to you and late nights?
3: In the early days, yeah. Yeah, in the early days like I I I became a professional professional DJ like where I didn't do anything else mm. in uh 2000 2000s. Mm. I like actually did on 2000 but from from probably 95 Upwards, I was I was playing at weekends, doing radio shows, turning up for work late and tired and um, like I used to work in a shop, uh, which I'm sure most of your listeners won't remember, a place called the Music and Video Club. It was kind of like MVC it was called. It was like, it was like HMV and blockbusters all like kind of okay. smashed into one in one ugly blue shop. Did you have
0: a nice uniform?
3: Yeah. Did so like it, a... <laughs> used to wear a blue like polo shirt with long sleeves with like, I uh, used to have like little spliff burns in it and stuff like that. And it, just, <laughs> it, was, man, it just, it wasn't great. Uh, and I ended up um, being a manager of the one in Hendon. And then, uh, and this was like, this is probably from 90, 95 to like 99 um no probably like more like 96 to 99 like I worked in all the different shops around Watford and Hendon and all around North London Northwest London basically and then I went to work at the the head office as a as a uh replay and then I worked as a buyer for a little while for and that was the last proper job I had I left that in like 99 oh yeah I used to just dream about not being at work and like kind of being on the road and late nights and and at that point I was like 22 23 or whatever and I adapted to the lifestyle very, very easily because I used to be at gigs all the time and playing gigs and stuff like that. And I'd get home at four o'clock in the morning and I'd have a hangover the next day. You know? But then like kind of 2000 came around and we cut our first record and boom, I was just on the road for the next pretty much 15 years, to be honest. Mm. So, yeah, that that adaption to lifestyle wasn't really like the biggest thing for me um, when I kind of slowed down. That was, that was the big changeover for me. Like the slowdown was the big, big, big changeover. And again, this, like I was saying earlier, there's a finite amount of time that you kind of get to spend doing stuff like that. And it's not, sometimes it's not your choice somewhat being forced to slow down a little bit because the gig started to slow up. And if I'd had a normal job, it would have been fine and I would have still been whatever, doing whatever. Um, but as I was completely dependent on, on DJ money, label money and uh, and like kind of selling records and stuff like that. And then like 2008 came around and the money from making music wasn't as good anymore. Um, I wasn't really, like we'd signed two big publishing deals and stuff, so that was keeping us going for, for a long time. And then I was like kind of playing a fabric once a month Mm. and going off to Canada and doing a tour, like a 20-day tour there, going to, going to Russia and doing three dates over there and then going to Australia or New Zealand, like kind of Asia. I was in Japan once a month and stuff. It was just, I was going all over the place. So I was completely in tour mode, like just, mm. just bouncing from one place to the other. Like I, I gave up my flat. I just put all my stuff around my mum's because I was never there. Yeah, I like, just put all my stuff around my mum's and on the two two or three days where I was back in the country or if I was playing the fabric, I'd just go and stay in my old like the uh, room at my mum's and stuff like that. And it wasn't until like kind of probably 2000, 2008 again that I got my own flat again and stuff like that. And it was, yeah, it was just quite mad. And then all of a sudden it kind of just started to just taper off like kind of Mm. 2009 2010 it it kind of tapered off and then by the time 2011 came around I was like I'm kind of not doing this anymore this is a bit mad like then that's when I went back to college and became like kind of trained as a social worker and all that kind of stuff and that even now today I feel the lifestyle changes, like the kind of tapering out of it all and the lifestyle change. Before uh, before the pandemic, I was still playing two times a month, going somewhere in the world and doing something. Mm. Uh, and the, the the pandemic, it was a real kick in the ass, like when it came to a lifestyle change. Because I realized like my entire social life and all that kind of stuff was really like kind of intertwined with my career. Uh, I would be more than happy to stay in the house like three weekends out of the four in the month because on that other weekend, I'd be in Spain in Malaga playing to like 20,000 people. And all of a sudden I'm not doing that and I'm getting fat watching Marvel films. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck just happened? What happened to my life? When, when it, Obviously when it
0: started, when the pandemic first hit, we just thought it'd be for a few weeks or whatever. So you start off thinking, oh, whatever, I
3: can watch Marvel films for a bit and slightly overeat and then I'll oh, back out again. Yeah, and then three stone later and I've watched the entire MCU 12 times. I'm like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks, I'm going to have to get back to the gym. Um, <laughs> I have to start watching something else. Bloody hell. Um, but yeah, it, it, the slowing down definitely was a different lifestyle for me. I think that from a point of view of the people that might be listening to this, if you're, yep. um, if you're kind of, you've got, You've got a lifestyle there already, whether that's a healthy lifestyle, whether that's like uh, not drinking, then when you go to gigs, don't drink. Don't interrupt your lifestyle too much mm. to make your, your dream of playing out happen because it's not the the pressures might be there to I've been very candid about this in the past. Like I, I, I did every drug under the sun. I've drunk everything like I've I've done everything that goes with the DJ lifestyle because that's what I wanted to do as a kid. It's not like it was a complete changeover for me when I when I became a DJ because I was living to a certain extent that lifestyle before that anyway, but a much like kind of reduced version of it and one that I couldn't really afford. So it was good to get some DJ money to support it. Like as I've got older, that massively tapered off because I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I had not done anything like that in 10 years, like mm-hmm. it, probably longer, but it doesn't have to be a shock to your system like if you're and I'm not advocating doing drugs here what I'm advocating for is if you if you're a gym bod and you live a healthy lifestyle and stuff like that when you get on the road nowadays it's extremely easy to maintain that when you're on the road Mm. like you you don't have to eat Burger King or like kind of to be out of your daily yoga routine and stuff like that. You can de- you can definitely do all of that when you're on the road as well. God knows I could have done. I just didn't because yeah. <laughs> I was too because <laughs> I was I was too involved with partying and uh, and ending up on a I don't know a, a tugboat to Norway or something like that after a heavy night out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but to your
0: point, when you went into the industry, you didn't have to think about it. Like you no. can get away with things when you're younger, and when it was just your when partying was your kind of breakout. But then as your life as it starts to pick up, that you're in the scenes in those spaces all the time yeah then have to start to be a bit more proactive sometimes about like
3: yeah a hundred percent I mean there's choices that I've made in my career like health wise which I don't regret them but if I was to go back and do them again I wouldn't I wouldn't do them again like massively heavy drinking at some point points, and I'm I've never been dependent on on alcohol to like kind of get my groove on or anything like that like I've never been dependent like alcohol isn't my on switch like it had like it is for some people but at the same time when there's free drink in the green room, I'm going to drink that free drink because it's, it's fun times mm. and I'm going to get people in and I'm going to have people in the booth with me and sharing shots with them and stuff like that. Cause that's what I love doing. I mean, I don't, it's not necessarily a thing that I do. No, <laughs> saying that as complete bollocks, but like, um, <laughs> like I, I, I do, I do enjoy that aspect. I, I'm a very social person, like in yeah. that, in that scenario, but you don't have to be like that. There, there, there's, there's, don't, you don't have to bow to pressures to be like that. If you like a drink before you go and DJ, then have a drink. If you don't want to drink, don't drink. Yeah. If you like, if you like to have a nice healthy meal before, which I do nowadays, like a nice healthy meal before you go and DJ, then do that. You mm. don't have to. Whatever your lifestyle is before, it can still be a lifestyle with small changes around, like kind of you going out and playing and travelling and stuff like that. It doesn't have to change too much.
0: Yeah. I've been DJing for quite a long time, but when I was 21, 22, when I was fresh out of uni and I first started, I partied so much
3: mm.
0: that I think that actually really held me back. It really slowed me down.
3: Mm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: I now look at that and think, well, maybe it's kind of a good thing because now, if I'm now at a point where I'm like, okay, I know exactly where I want to go with this, I know mm. what the career path looks like. But I've taken control a bit more of my lifestyle and I feel like I know where my, where my line is. Like I know how much I can party before I actually can't do anything the next day. And sometimes mm. that's fine. And sometimes you create the space for that. But yeah, in some ways I'm like, maybe it's a good thing that I didn't kind of rock it off at that yeah, point. Yeah. Cause maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I would have crashed. You know, when I was younger, I didn't think anything of like horrendous no. hangovers and like vomiting <laughs> all day. I was like, "This is just part of it. Let's go."
3: You're talking, you're talking to a 44 year old bloke that hardly drunk over over lockdown. So, because I don't drink at home, like I like, I love drinking when I'm when I'm. You're out not like a
0: wine on the sofa kind of guy. You not don't... at all,
3: not in the slightest. Like I've had three beers sitting in my uh, in my fridge behind me since Christmas 2019. Like, it's, really? I just don't, yeah, I just don't drink at home. Like, drinking yeah. is a social thing for me. But you're talking to someone who went out, went to Box Park a couple of weeks ago with a mate of mine and I had three beers and I was hung over for two days. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I think we need to inject a little bit more like kind of self-actualization self-actualiz- into this, like mm. uh, and say that you can be whoever you want to be. If you're that person at home or you're that person on your on your run up to your your point of your tipping point of success, you can still be that person afterwards. You can be someone else if you want to be someone else. You it's all in your hands. You have complete control of everything that kind of you of yourself, not necessarily your career in certain aspects, mm-hmm. but you have complete control of how you behave within your career. And I think that yes, it's very tempting to get involved with a lot of like uh with a lot of alcohol and not to put too fine a point on it, like sleeping around, doing drugs, doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If that was you. Before, then that's probably going to be you when you do your thing, like. you might want to rethink that because that is that you're going to have that 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 was there before, but times 50, Yeah, like that's going, that's going to be so much more available to you. Everything that you do is going to, that all your vices are going to be 10 times more available to you. Uh, If you, if you reach an actual point of a a tipping point in your career and the promoter picks you up from the airport and they go, what do you want? They're not Mm -hmm. talking about McDonald's. They're talking about stuff that you actually want, whether, Mm -hmm. whether that's weed, whether that's whatever it is. And if that's what you want to do, bruv, do your thing. Mm. Like if you want to be a bit more careful about it, then that's a really good idea because you will you will maintain like a clearer head and you'll be able to like kind of uh not make maybe stupid decisions that you would if you were a, because again the situation that you're put in is times 10 of it, anything that you experienced when you weren't a DJ. Um so there'll be there'll be things that that will have bigger ramifications if you choose to do them. If you di- if you didn't, like if you did if you chose to do something when you're just ch- like I don't know Jenny or John at the bar, but then you choose to do that when you're uh, when your headliner act of like a festival. I think traditionally uh a lot of djs were were loved for their bad behavior for like kind of cheeky bad bad boy or bad girl behavior and stuff like that um i don't think that's necessarily the case anymore um so if you if you make a a silly decision that's prompted by substances such as whatever alcohol whatever um if you did that just in your hometown Everybody think you're a knob for a couple of weeks or whatever. If you do that when you're when you're a DJ, that's in social media, and that's like kind of. So there are there are mm. ramifications for that, um, but you don't have to be anything you don't want to be.
0: Relationships are such a huge part of the industry because it isn't governed in a way that other things are, and I am just like a real advocate of the importance of just being nice to people.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Who it is don't like if you're if you're a shitbag person then you're going to be a shitbag person and you have to pull back your shitbagness a hundred mm. percent like I've always been a, a like a people person I pride myself on my on my relationships I mean I, I'm also a person that if I don't like someone I can't pretend that I do mm. like I, I really can't like so I know that limitation about myself I know that that is well, a real I was, limitation
0: I was wondering that because I I know that if you think someone's a prick you'll you'll know it like you'll you'll kind of have made that decision but I don't think I've ever seen you with anyone necessarily you haven't got on with because obviously when I've seen you it's been in conversations with your friends or people that you work with or people that you've invested in so I wouldn't know what you'd be like if you saw someone you're like Nah.
3: quiet quiet like totally quiet like oh. not 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 engaging at all I mean if so I, I, I'm i also someone that doesn't really suffer fools kindly like uh, like luckily enough I don't I'm, I say I say that like I don't really know many fools because there's not fools in my circle mm. um, but I don't really suffer fools very very easily like and if if you're doing something to annoy me, then I'll fucking tell you about it. Mm -hmm. But like, but, but not me personally. I don't, I don't think I'm the universal barometer for anything for for, (laughs) for prickness. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're not doing something that's, that's like kind of like kind of objectively rubbish, then I'm not going to tell you about it. It's whatever, it's (laughs) your behavior. Um, But if you're doing something that's like really like kind of objectively bad, then I'll tell you about it. But if I don't like someone, I, there's not many people I don't like, to be honest. Like I, I get along with people that a lot of other people don't get along with. Um, and that's how I've created a lot of very, very worthwhile relationships, to be honest. But um, if I don't like someone, I just won't interact with them no matter who they are. But the key, the key to having a long-term career, no matter what it is, no matter what you do is don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick. Like like And if you can achieve that, you can have a very, very long, fruitful career. The one bit of advice that I give to, to absolutely everybody, and this has happened multiple times, the same people that you see on the way up are the same people that you see on the way down. Like, And the, someone that you see on the way up may be above you one day and may want to give you gigs and may want to... Like, I, I, I always refer to my boy Jose in Spain, like uh, Jose Rodriguez, who's now like a DMC champion and, and, and so on and so forth. Like he's just one of the most phenomenal scratch DJs in the entire world. I never, like I am a scratch DJ, but I've never been as like a DMC style scratch DJ and stuff. I'm a DJ that scratches.
0: But you and have, he, you competed in like scratch competitions way,
3: way back, like in the, in the late nineties, but never the DMCs yeah. or anything like that. I just, I never really saw the point of competition. Um, so he used to come to all my gigs in Spain in his teens. Um, and I, don't remember this, but he came up to me quite a few times and said he was my hero, and but like I was his hero and stuff like that. And I was always really nice to him, like apparently, like that's what he told me afterwards. And I always like kind of gave him tips and stuff like that, and whatever. And now he's like the number one. Uh, and he gets me on to do, like, kind of he's always bigging me up, like when he whenever he's like kind of interviewed or whenever he's asked for his top DJs, they're always like serious scratch DJs and me because I was mm-hmm. the guy that like he saw at the rave when he was like 15, 16 and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the same people you see on the way up are the same people that you see on the way down 100 percent. and I, I always believe in like giving everybody the respect they deserve with your own personal boundaries in place
0: yeah one thing I did want to ask you as well was about I think one of the, the qualities that you need to have to succeed in the industry is I think you need to be pretty resilient and you need to be able to sort of move on very quickly and things mm. do you think you were naturally resilient or naturally naturally able to How do you get that balance right between being confident, but also being being semi-responsive and also being thick-skinned and actually not not being too tuned into what other people think?
3: Privately, I'm probably none of those things. Like publicly, other people have told me I've been very adaptive over the years and like kind of found my lane all the time and jumped around and was able to. Privately, in my own head. And I think a lot of people deal with this. Is like, you're a fucking loser. You're a, you're a failure. Why didn't you do better at that? Why didn't you do better at that? And I think that comes down to like, maybe some like kind of latent mental health issues that probably everybody's got that like kind of imposter syndrome and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you don't ignore those feelings, like kind of give all your like, kind of your own personal feelings, the weight and the, the respect that they deserve in your own head. And you can kind of sort through that for yourself. But I mean, being resilient and being thick skinned, I don't think you can be anything else. You're not going to last very long if you're not like it, it, Like you have to be thick skinned because more often than not. And I know that um, I know that a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but decisions that are made that are anti you. Like, say so you're not getting booked or you're not getting whatever. They're usually not about you. Personally, mm. like they, they're very rarely the 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 promoters or or record labels or agents or whatever make a personal call on you as a person. So you can't you can't take anything within the music industry like t- too too personally. So you have to develop a somewhat of a thick skin. You have to develop a thick skin because the people, the same people that you develop relationships with, are potentially the people that are going to tell you no anyway. So you don't want to lose that relationship because they told you no. Mm. You just you you just move on and you you do something for them like you you submit yourself to them again the month after or the year after or whatever like so you have to be thick skinned you have to be and and that doesn't take away from the fact I'm I'm a big believer in feeling how you're going to feel about situations mm. because if you if you repress too much that doesn't mean you can go and attack someone with a baseball bat because they didn't book you for their birthday party. That just mm. means that you can, you should be able to feel how you're going to feel about any situation because it's the only re- that's the only way that you're actually going to heal from that situation and move on to the next thing. So don't, don't ever repress any like kind of any feelings of like rejection or anything like that. Like feel, feel rejected by stuff, but understand why you were, were rejected. It probably wasn't you as a person. It was probably just the music you play or the, the, your social media following or the, whatever, whatever mm. it is. Like that's the reason that you were probably rejected. It's not because they thought you were a dick.
0: Yeah. And that that point around not taking things too personally, it means you can always just People's Worlds are much more about them than they are about you. So yeah, yeah. you I think people 100%. think that people really have strong feelings about them and normally they don't
3: They don't, not <laughs> at all. Most people don't give a shit. Like it's not more- it's never like your your world is never important to someone else. Your world is important to you. Yes. And sometimes your world that's important to you interacts with someone else's world that's important to them because it's it's meant to be that way because though you can both benefit from that, from that relationship. I mean, there always is people that are looking out for you. Like, mm. I, I mean, I care about your world, Lexi. I do. I genuinely do. I care about like kind of all my students' world. I care about Keisha's world. I care about all my friends' worlds and stuff like that. But the reason I wouldn't choose you to go on a podcast one week is not because I hate yeah, it's because it's not. It's not uh, not in the slightest. Like it's it's the it's because. And you've been on my webinar a couple of times, yeah. or once or a couple of times or whatever. Um, the reason I asked you on there is because I thought your experience it's relevant in your world for, is relevant for that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure there are dicks out there that just that don't like someone and won't work with them because or won't give them the attention that they need because they think they because they don't like them. I'm sure that exists. Everything exists. Mm. But on the whole, that's not how any of this kind of works. So never take anything too personally.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. I've definitely seen it. I even see it in the professional world. There are some people whose ego will get in the way of them booking someone or will. They might have a personal slight against a reason Mm. to not work with someone or various other things. The vast majority of people are just like, right, what am I specifically looking for in this space who's got that exact skill set exactly. and, if, and if someone else came on their radar they would be like oh yeah sure we'll give them a, we'll give them a chance or yeah, you yeah. know most people are open-minded and most people want to want to put people on want to support mm. people I think I really yeah, yeah. think so
3: and it goes back to my original point right so one one of the things that I take from from what I do and one of the things that I gain massive inspiration from is seeing other people prosper from what I what I help them do right so yes I want to see other people prosper but also it's that nice feeling that I get it's the it's the idea that I am actually serving a purpose in this bigger thing that we call a music community than just like kind of getting up there smashing a load of vodkas playing some tunes and then and then going home with a fat of cash which didn't happen that often it happened every now and again but like <laughs> fat of cash bit the drinking bit definitely did happen quite often. <laughs> Like, <laughs> um, but uh, always
0: vodka. Sometimes cash.
3: <laughs> I, it's always vodka, though. I was a, I was a vodka fiend. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's because it is because it's it was supposed to not have. It, I don't believe this though, but it's supposed to not give you such a bad hangover. I had. Depends possi- what you're
0: comparing it to, I guess.
3: Because <laughs> it's because it's distilled. Because it's super distilled. Mm. There's like all the there's like not as much shit in it as there is in whiskey and beer and wine and stuff like that. But I had one night on the Beluga vodka. In oh god, where was I? I was in Russia somewhere, about it's about two hours' drive from Moscow, and they were just beluga rock. We got through like about four of us got through like four bottles of it, so like a bottle each. I have never ever suffered with a hangover quite as bad in in minus 20 degrees and like a two hour the most horrendous. I fell asleep at, at like when we got in the car, woke up for some unknown reason, the driver. Was out of the car taking a picture with a bear, and I was like, "No, I'll go back to sleep again." <laughs> and then the next thing I know, we we're at Moscow Airport. It was the most brutal. What was the point I was making? I
0: <laughs> also, I was thinking about vodka questions. Now I'm like, "What do you? What's your mixer of choice?"
3: Um, but yeah, no. The, the the reason going back to but, the original point. Yeah. So yes, helping other people, but it's still something that helps me. It helps me feel yeah. good about what I do.
0: Coming out of the. Obviously, the past year and a half, having worked in so many areas of the industry and turned your hand to so many things, is there one particular area or something that's pulling you? I don't know quite what the word is, but that's like really piquing your interest at the moment, or something that's your, that you're looking forward and you're like, that's the thing I want to put a bit more time into.
3: Very much so. There's a, there's a few things to be honest. Um, there's not to reveal all my plans because I, I end up like kind of revealing all my plans and then none, none of them ever kind of happen. But <laughs> one thing, one thing that I'm, I'm very much getting back into, and I know it goes against everything that I said earlier, but making beats again, like it, and a completely different dial to 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 because I'm a hip hop DJ. Everybody knows me yeah. nowadays is like a kind of as a guy that scratches a hip hop DJ, but I like I'm known. I was signed to like a, a breaks and drum and bass label, like mm-hmm. I've I known for playing breaks and drum and bass and jungle and stuff like that, and that's what I taught the world doing. But I love. I absolutely love and I've completely fallen in love again. And this is a very, it's a very, very, very niche style of like kind of 90s New York hip-hop in, in the DJ tools. So like Armin Van Helden, um uh, Masters of Work, Funk Master Flex, mm-hmm. um, DJ Rears, Crooklyn Cat Clan it's like hip-hop instrumentals that are the mashups of like kind of old funk tunes and old hip-hop tunes and stuff like that all kind of put together and, and they make what's called a DJ tool like mm-hmm. one of the famous ones it's the worst example in the world but you know that Fat Man Scoop um and Faith Evans uh, yeah uh, that originally started out as uh, on a label called 88 which was like um it was a hip-hop DJ tool label basically and every, or like all the big producers used to go under different names and release like kind of DJ tools on there that's not the best example, even though I do absolutely love that, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but 88 records, and uh, they were, nervous records used to put them out all the time. And I've just started collecting them and playing them again, like buying them on like discogs on vinyl and like tracking down digital versions and stuff like that. And I've just started knocking knocking my own ones up again. I used to do it. It's the very first thing that I did when I first got my first mm. sampler, um, just because I love playing them. They go between like kind of 100 BPM and 120. BPM and they've got like old funk samples in and stuff like that and I just absolutely love them so I started that's really piqued my interest again just to break so it down got, a bit more because
0: mm. when I think when I hear the word DJ tool I think of like there are a lot of things that people bracket under DJ tools or when I've seen so there'll be Loads, like an yeah, intro yeah. and outro yeah, or yeah. like various other things so what yeah. what's the distinguisher between what you're talking about in terms
3: of DJ tools and so it's basically hip-hop instrumentals it's okay. stuff that it like it there there's so much in the world of dj tools nowadays like you mm. say like could be just a scratch sound or it could be an acapella or it could be um a, a 10 minute loop of a techno tune that people mm. used to like lay underneath other stuff or whatever these would be um it, the, the 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 kind of official other name for them would be what's called party breaks if anybody wants to listen to them just go and check 88 records it's a the, the the letter v the letter and then eight the number so av8 records were legendary for them absolutely legendary i can go in the other room now and pull out a load of av8 records and go these this is the ones that you want to get but Mm. um i'm not going to because i can't be bothered to get out now but like (laughs) if you check out av8 records Mm. on that that's the kind of thing so they're 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 hip-hop breakbeats that are meant for djs to play at parties that's mm. that's exactly what they are and they'll have like i don't know like a, a Bismarcky RRP Bismarck there'll be a Bismarcky vocal on it and then it'll drop into like funky drummer and then there'll be like a kind of a baseline from a very famous hip-hop gene that kind of comes in and with like a cast up now what's up now like that and then like yeah. another bit will come in and, and stuff <laughs> like that like, it's so niche it's so such a small like kind of scene but I, I've always been a DJ that loves doing what's called blends. So you get an, an instrumental and an acapella and you try and find the most creative way to like kind of cut and scratch the two together and blend them together. So I, I've just got obsessed with that again over, over lockdown for like the last two years and I've created a load of blends. I was like, mm, so what's the next step to that? And it's like, Oh yeah. DJ tools like party breaks mm. this is basically what they're, what they're categorized as and getting back into doing that again. Cause it's so, it, 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 it's something that I do, like on decks anyway. And it's something that I used to do all the time on like my old, on my old samplers, my old game one and my old MPC mm. and stuff like that. So old man, Terry's just getting back to the nineties again.
0: I love, it. <laughs> I, love it. I love It's like, that's, a, that's cool. Like you were saying, you're not necessarily like the producer guy, but you, you're creative creative and you're yeah, yeah that's
3: your that's your way of creating that's your way of that's it. my wheelhouse yeah yeah for yeah. sure yeah, yeah yeah but that that's 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 what it is it's like approaching it again with a dj head like i approach yeah. absolutely everything that i've ever done in my life since the age of 12 as a dj like and mm. i will only ever be a dj for the rest of my life
0: which is probably a good way to end it thank you
3: there you, you go Terry. there you go yeah wicked.
0: <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> Terry. If people are listening where are your handles where are you at where can they follow engage
3: On Instagram, where I put up just loads of stupid, funny stuff uh, (laughs) and little clips of me scratching every now and again. Uh, It's at Terry underscore hooligan. Like my other one on Instagram is uh, on the Rise DJ Academy, at on the Rise DJ Academy, and we've got loads of cool stuff going on over there. We've got like, product announcements, number one, but we've got loads of cool blogs. Um, get get notified about them there. We're just about to put like uh, an Inclusion Rider blog up, which is really important. I think you... you, you contributed. You, like, you contributed yeah. to that as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got loads of cool stuff going on up there. We, we, we run the line of uh, traditional pissing traditional DJs off by talking things like uh, non-binary DJs and like giving spotlights to like kind of female djs and stuff like that not that that should be like a a controversial point whatsoever but yeah we we uh we do like to piss off the old school boomer djs (laughs) not not for that point but just to the point where we like to like give a platform to yeah non-white male middle-aged djs which everybody else seems to give a platform to like myself that's exactly why i am so but but i like to i like to give a platform to the non-traditional you can go and check out mydjhub.com, which is a completely free DJ mentorship and DJ uh, resource. You can sign up for free, come to our webinars, listen to our podcasts and stuff like that. And we just we just focus on a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today, to be honest, like mm. the stuff that you might not necessarily get from other from other places. We, we try to bring on experts. Again, like you, Lexi, um, we talk about everything that you need to know, like live streaming, recording mixes, we talk about mental health within the music industry we talk about like kind of record label stuff and yeah so go on there check out all like the different webinars that we've got on there that's kind of cool uh, yeah i think that's about oh uh, you can check me out as a dj as well atomic hooligan on um on facebook you can check me out as terry hooligan on on mixcloud on soundcloud and blah blah blah. yeah i'm all over the shop terry hooligan atomic hooligan on the rise dj academy or my dj hub and you'll be able to find me
0: you go by terry hooligan now don't you rather than atomic hooligan both really both. whatever the
3: promoter wants to do me personally yeah. if anybody asks i'm terry hooligan mm-hmm. um atomic hooligan was me and another gentleman called matt who again i'm still really good friends with now but uh, people associate atomic hooligan quite a lot with like a we had like a 10 piece live band as well we used mm. to tour the world with a big band and they uh kind of associate that with both me and matt but i'm really the only atomic hooligan now it's both it's both yeah yeah yeah
0: The final thing I would just say, and just in terms of everything you do with my DJ hub and um, on the rise, just for people listening is there's always a complete transparency with everything that you're working on in terms of sharing of information. And um, I know I've profited and benefited from that so much. And that's so much of what we try and do with hot girls is just make sure that just everyone's being honest because then we can all help each other grow and help each other develop. So yeah. So you, you know, if you're checking out that stuff that you're going to get
3: truth. Please you brought that up because but the only thing that I've wanted to do for the last 10 years is blow the mystery away from everything. Like, just mm. go, like that. And then go, yeah. this is what it is.
0: What up, Lex? We, Lex. Ah. Yeah. we keep our eyes on the prizes, no surprise. Good women, we're destined to rise. Yeah. Inspiring, celebrating, yeah. uplifting the new generation. Yeah. With some hot girls, you know the vibe. Yeah. All the hot girls come alive. All the some hot girls, you know the vibe. All my hot girls come alive.